As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means... In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Colts Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Colts beat writer, James Boyd, fresh off a bye week where hopefully you got to rest up and, and, you know, recuperate and think about this team a little bit, take a step back, back from Germany. After a interesting win that <laughs> they, they managed to pull out, but it's a win. They're five and five. You and I have talked about it. It's going to be, we're going to talk about it in the podcast today, but they're, they're in the hunt. I mean, with some of these AFC teams collapsing, uh, you know, the Bengals losing Joe Burrow and the Bills kind of going through some stuff right now and the Chargers going through some stuff right now. AFC spot wide open. So the Colts are right in the thick of it. Didn't expect to be talking about a Colts playoff berth or a potential Colts playoff berth, you know, going into week 12. But here we are. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, like I said before the season, I predicted them to go five and twelve. So unless they they're going to lose the last seven, right? <laughs> unless they have a deja vu moment and lose the last seven, like last year, I'm going to be wrong, and that's fine. You know, it's always easier, I guess, to walk into a happy locker room after a win, and they do have some winnable games here down the stretch. But just to go back to Germany, amazing trip, fun trip, first time for me in Europe, obviously. So that was a good time and got a chance to kind of explore a little bit in Frankfurt. But the game itself was very unique. I mean, <laughs> the 10-6 to 6 score obviously wasn't all that great, but I thought the fandom out there was pretty cool, seeing all the different jerseys, and how excited everyone was about the game, the open-air press box slash seating, and just how different everything was over there. Um, it was a lot of fun. They, and, and then also, they're not playing around with security over there, man. Like, you go through a metal detector, and then they physically pat you down, you know, like like spread them kind of thing. Like you got to put your arms and legs out wide. And they pat you down. And then for and the reason why I couldn't do my post game video from the field, they have like these wristbands that give you, Jim, where you like scan it to go on the field. And then it basically goes green or red. And I guess, you know, after a certain time, only certain people are allowed back onto the field. So when I went to scan it, they were like, oh, it's red. You can't go back out there. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll find a spot. And I posted up. You know, with Zaire Franklin, I believe, and Mac Jones behind me on this big billboard thing. Yeah, but it was a fun trip. I definitely enjoyed myself. 
a lot of the players enjoyed themselves when I talked to in, in, in the locker room. You know, Isaiah McKenzie was telling me hearing the West Virginia, which is not the name of the song, but that's what he thinks it is. Um, you <laughs> yeah, know, hearing yeah. Country Roads basically being, you know, sang so loudly, you know, uh, at the at the stadium in Frankfurt, and then and then him having that big kickoff return, all those things. You know, he was just telling me this is the farthest I've been in my life, and I was like, you and me both, brother. And then you hear from DeForest <laughs> Buckner, and then I asked even say Franklin, I was like, hey man, you're from North Philly. You know, you're a seventh round pick. You know, how does it feel to be here? And he was like, I never thought I'd be, you know, playing here and obviously to leave here with the win. So all of those guys felt really good about the outcome of the game. Maybe not what happened in the game as far as how it happened, but to be five and five instead of four and six, coming back from the bye, hopefully trying to get healthier. Um, it was a big, big swing in momentum for their season. And obviously it kind of changes things in their expectations. Maybe not their expectations, but it changes minds for sure, because I didn't expect this team to be five and five. And to their credit, despite all of the things, they are five and five. And I know people can criticize, oh, they beat two bad teams in a row. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, Jim, what, what can you do except play the teams in front of you? Oh, guess what? The rest of the teams they play this this year, not that much better. Maybe not even better. <laughs> so you know what? If you're if you're uncomfortable with winning, beating bad teams, don't watch the rest of the season because that's what the Colts <laughs> will have to do pretty much the rest of the way is beating bad teams. So you know what? Like you said, beat the guys in front of you. You'd like to see them do with a little more authority, but hey, win's a win. In my head, the overseas games, I kind of think of them as kind of a coin toss and a crapshoot of like, I don't know what's going to happen. These guys are all out of whack. I mean, I know they do as best they can to get their body clocks, you know, ready for that game. But I just think you never know what's going to happen in those games. It's so weird. You, you've seen a lot of good teams go over there and look terrible. You've seen a lot of bad teams go over there and look great. And it's just, I almost kind of think of it as like a Thursday night game where the teams have barely had any time to prepare, rest, recuperate, and you just kind of don't know what you're going to get. It's going to be a little sloppy. It's going to be kind of ugly. And that's kind of what we got. And and so for the Colts to come out with a win, no matter how it looked, I think was important. I think it was important. So we're going to get into that. You wrote a great story, at least proposing the idea of Shane Steichen being in the in the consideration for Coach of the Year. We're going to get into that. I know you got some pushback on that. But I think, honestly, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's pretty defensible. Like, And we can get into why. It wasn't like you were out there saying, hey, he's the Coach of the Year. Give him the award right, right which now. Which is what everyone probably thought it was, but it's no, of it's course, not it. <laughs> no nuance whatsoever. But um, we'll get into that. We're going to break down the schedule coming up. I know I referenced it. We're going to break down the schedule coming up and see how many wins we kind of think that they can pull out here. Uh, how many wins we think they need to make the playoffs, and then we'll get into um, what Chris Ballard. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna start with I should say what, what Chris Ballard uh, talked about on the Colts official podcast, particularly about what he said about Anthony Richardson, which was very interesting. And I know you listened right away, wrote a good blog post for us about it. So hopefully people have saw it already. But man, it is disappointing. Or every time I bring up Anthony Richardson, I just feel like we've been robbed of something. Frankly, it's just I just really wanted to watch this whole year of him. But and I think I don't, I don't you know that's the decent segue. I think that's kind of the way Chris Ballard feels. Absolutely. And, you know, listening to him, first of all, I was like, why are you talking on the bye week making me work? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. And I thought that, you know, and again, I get it. You you have different jobs. So, you know, JJ and Lara, you know, they're probably not going to get too into the weeds of like, you know, some of the things that are issues with the team. You know, for example, they're not going to ask, hey, why is the offense struggling with Gardner Minshew and things like that? But I do think that it was very interesting to hear from, you know, them and for them to ask him about, you know, Anthony Richardson and just how the whole decision went down to go under surgery and or to undergo surgery for proper English. But the one thing that I thought was 
not one thing, but the first thing that was fascinating was just the parallels between Anthony Richardson and Andrew Luck and how they didn't want them to continue to overlap, basically. And so, you know, Chris Ballard came in in 2017, the same year that Andrew Luck finally actually went on, underwent uh, or had shoulder surgery after putting it off for years and playing through pain. And, and we see, like, just a toll that took on him mentally and physically. And then two years later, he was, you know, peace, you know, I'm done, game over. And so – you know, he was saying, OK, now I know what this looks like when you try to put this stuff off. You don't take it as serious, maybe as you should have initially. Let's just do it now. Get it all corrected and make sure he has a, you know, a really long and hopefully healthy career. And so I thought that was very fascinating because although it feels like Anthony Richardson is like that new chapter, right? They finally got their guy after the Andrew Luck, you know, how everything went down with him. But his shadow still casts, you know, a, a pretty wide, you know, kind of darkness in a sense over this franchise. Cause it's like, do you want to go through this again? Obviously you don't. And so I thought that, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting to hear. We kind of knew that the best decision obviously was for AR to go ahead and get, he basically get his shoulder snapped back into place is kind of how I view the surgery. I shared the Keenan Allen photo that kind of went, got a little bit of traction on, on social media. People all were like, wow, I never saw this before. And the only reason I even picked it up just watching TV one night, I was like, wait a second, that looks like what the injury would look like, you know, had it not healed properly, according to some doctors I talked to. So yeah, that was a uh, very fascinating, but I think again, they got his shoulder strapped back down and now it's all about getting healthy. But in that time span of, of seeing him play, you know, Chris Ballard said he was extremely impressed. He saw he said he saw the poise in college, which I think all of us were like, man, his pocket presence is that's special. You can't really teach that. However, Jim, as you know, the accuracy, the feel, the big playability, all of those things sort of jumped off the page more. And to his credit, he was more consistent than I thought he would be, quite honestly. I don't know what your take was on it for yourself a hundred percent i mean i think that i mean you guys have heard me talk about anthony richardson before and gush is i guess the the way to say it but i mean just just the way he looked as a rookie i mean again i feel so disappointed because all the love cj stroud is deservedly getting this year i kind of think richardson would be right there neck and neck in the rookie of the year race with him right now so, and you know we talk about the, the fight for the playoffs for this team and it's just even if they didn't make it with Anthony Richardson at quarterback, he would be going through it, right? He'd be learning what it was like to fight for the playoffs and, and fight with his team and going through these, like these grinding through these tough games as you're trying to push for something, you know, this guy played in college, so he didn't play 18 week schedules, right? He's never done that before. So he'd be learning to go through that. There's just so much you have to figure out in your first year and the first two years in the NFL. And he's missing a lot of that. Again, he's going to have to play catch up. There's no, there's no denying that. So he's going to have to play catch up next year. That's frustrating. It's sad. I think he can do it. I think it'll be fine. As you said, and Chris Ballard said, he exceeded expectations. I had high expectations for him. I really did. I, I had a high bar set for him because I really believed in what he was going to be able to do. The pocket presence being the thing I thought was going to kind of be the catalyst for the rest of the things. And it looked exactly like that. Pretty much the only blip. I mean, there were obviously bad plays. Don't get me wrong. But the only blip was that pick he threw against Jacksonville when they were trying to drive to win. That was one where you look like he maybe... And I think he got baited, frankly. I think it was a nice play by the defender at that time. But just one of those times where a young quarterback makes a young mistake. But I just didn't think he had that many young mistakes. So really exciting. You saw, you've saw, you seen C.J. Stroud, too. Again, not to keep comparing it to C.J. Stroud, but 
That dude went through the first what, like eight weeks without throwing an interception. Now he's thrown a bunch recently. Yeah, he he's had three a, a yesterday. Couple, yeah, right. And and he still looks great. I still think he's going to be a you know he is probably already a top ten quarterback in the NFL at this point, which is wild. But he's making rookie mistakes. He's throwing some interceptions. The one he threw in the back of the end zone yesterday was was a bad throw. He just misread the coverage and, and tried to force something in there. And he's going to learn from it. But those are the things, those are the opportunities Anthony Richardson isn't getting right now. He isn't getting a chance to make those mistakes live in a season that you and I have talked about over and over again. Didn't really matter in terms of wins and losses as much as it mattered to you know, his development and his growth. I know I keep repeating myself, but it's just so disappointing we're not watching that happen in real time right now. The one thing I will push back on in regard to what Chris Ballard did say about Anthony Richardson on the Colts' official podcast was he was like, hey, you know, he's got to learn how to protect himself. You know, when to get out of bounds, when to slide, all those things. And I was like, yeah, sure. But he didn't get hurt on some reckless play where you're like, oh, my God, you should have gotten down. Oh, my God, what is he thinking? He got hurt on pretty normal plays. I know he had the knee bruise in the season opener, but that was like, you know, down by, I believe, like one score and you're in a tight game. I'd been like 10 points, not one score, but 10 points, season opener. He tries to scramble for a first down, gets hit on the knee. Could have gone back in there, but they were kind of being precautionary. Like, eh, you know, game's basically over anyways. So he sat him out. The concussion, you know, he said he just didn't really uh, run through the tape, so to speak, which, again, is kind of naive, but I, I wouldn't say that's like a reckless where he's like trying to dive head first for something or he sees a guy and he's like, I'm going to run him over instead. Like, that was just a unlucky play. Got a concussion from that. And then, obviously, the routine tackle made on the design quarterback run. So I was thinking to myself, like, and I wrote this actually in the blog post, maybe a bigger question is not how can he protect himself, but how can you all protect him in in a sense? Because that's the question now is when he does come back, when he is fully healthy, and I know people kind of freaked out when I said the fall of 2024. I just missed September. I should have been more specific. I I, I don't know, like, the official start in the end of summer. Everyone's like, what do you mean? The, the actual summer ends on this day and he'll be back. I'm like, all right, really? I mean, when the 2024 season starts is when we'll see him in, in another game. Um, I know Jim Ursay <laughs> has been kind of saying the, oh, if we make the AFC championship game, who knows? And it's like, no, he's not going to play this season. And until I see Aaron Rodgers on the tangent here, but if I see Aaron Rodgers play this year, I'll be shocked <laughs> as well. Like, these are season-ending injuries typically. All that to say, I was like, huh, I don't know if I agree with the whole he's got to protect himself, but I do think the conversation has to be had about, okay, how much do you weigh the risk versus the reward? Because what makes him special is the legs, and it is the, the, the usage of them in certain ways. And you look at his touchdowns this season in that brief time, he had seven touchdowns, four of them I believe were on the ground. And it wasn't like they were like running him like a running back. It was just using it in certain spot situations to make sure the defense basically had to pay for it. So we'll see. But I will say this. The one thing that was like that stood out to me the most of everything Chris Ballard said was that when Anthony Richardson got hurt, I was about to go under undergo surgery. He sent a voicemail to Shane Steichen basically telling him how much it hurt him not to be out there, how much he wanted to be out there for his teammates. And according to Ballard, Shane Slack and played that for the team, you know, and I was like, wow, that just speaks to his character. And you almost want to be like, there's no way this guy's this good or like, I mean, like good as a person or this nice as a person. But I mean, so far, not that I'm like digging for dirt, like I'm TMZ or something, but so far he he's shown a remarkable level of just self-awareness and really just selflessness because no one would ever blame him 
if he kind of, you know, went into a shell for a bit because his rookie season didn't go how he wanted it to go. But by every account that I've heard, players, coaches, even that random fan he went to go visit, these are all things that kind of show his character. And I think that will carry him, you know, as long as he can stay healthy throughout his career because they're going to be ups and downs, not only now, but just period. And it kind of reminds me in a sense of like a Joe Burrow where it's like, this dude has been through a lot in his early career as well with injuries and, you know, against the Super Bowl and losing and, you know, uh, not always having things go his way, but still being like a really good person throughout it. So um, hats off to AR for that, because I was like, I don't know if I'm sending anybody a message right before my surgery. I'll probably be saying, like, you know, get me some some good food, you know, get prepared while I'm, you know, under so I can come back and get something good to eat. But no, he's busy telling his teammates to keep things going. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, especially being. 21. I keep thinking about, you know, how I'm going to be 28 next month. And I still think I'm, you know, young and obviously I am, but I'm like 21. I don't know if I could carry all of that and do it as gracefully and selflessly as him. I think that I would be, you know, kind of going through it because I'd be thinking like, man, I, I'm here. My dreams are in front of me. I'm right here. And it got snatched away. And now you want me to like cheer for the team? Like, yeah, I'll cheer for one, but like not right now. Let me just soak for a moment. But no, he's never been like that from what everyone's been saying. So I think that speaks to his character. It does. It's it's an incredible amount of maturity he's showing for, for someone his age. And and it's just another thing that the Colts can bank on, right? I mean, it, he's doing the right things. He's doing stuff he doesn't have to do. Like you said, if he went to a shell, I don't think anyone would blame him. If he, if he stayed away from the team for a little while, just to kind of, you know, get his mind right. I don't think anyone would blame him, but he's doing a lot of the things that the extra stuff, I guess, is the way you'd want to phrase it. The things that a leader would do, you know, an older leader would do in, in these situations. So, it's incredibly impressive. Any more talk about it, it's going to bum me out, though, because really it just I, <laughs> I just like watching him play so much. I want to see him at this point. Just just bring him around the team. I don't know if he'll be made available to the media at some point. I obviously, we'll talk to him, I would assume, minimally at the end of the season when they have all the interviews and things like that. But I just want to talk to him or see him, even if it's not for an interview, just like, hey, man, how, how's it going? Um, you know, what you doing for Christmas? Those types of things. I would imagine. Christmas might look a little bit different this year just because of the things he's accomplished in his life. Do you just, you know, sit up with mom and you look around the house that you bought her and it's like, hey, you know, this is a pretty good gift. You know, I got a little early or something like that. I don't know. Like those are the types of things I kind of want to just ask him about. And he's not, what's funny thing is he's really not materialistic at all. Um, I remember asking him maybe like, what did you do to celebrate? And he's like, not much, kind of just, you know, <laughs> went about my business. And that's another thing that kind of stands out to me is like, oh, he's really, you know, not into the lights and the action and the fame and stuff that kind of comes with it. He just has to embrace it because that's what it comes with regardless. But it's not like he's seeking that stuff out. Anthony's just regular. Like when I talk to him, interviews off the record, uh, just casual stuff in the locker room. We'll talk about music sometimes, like who you listening to lately and things like that. And he's just regular. And I'm like, that is so cool because you're not regular, <laughs> you know, on the field and, and the talents and gifts you've been given yeah, it's been it's the opposite. So um obviously excited for his future. Glad he's gonna, you know, on the road to recovery and things like that. But I will say, um, I'll let you take the reins here. Ballard had some good things to say about the other rookie who you've uh, gushed over as well, Josh Downs, who he said has a little bit of ding 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 T. Y. Hilton in him. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a lot of confidence in him right now in Josh Downs. I think you saw that during the draft process and, and some of the videos and things that you saw with him and the way he runs routes and the way he played in North Carolina. I think, honestly, I think the biggest knock on him was the size and whether or not he was going to hold up. But I think if we've learned anything from this NFL season, particularly, it's that the size of the receiver, obviously having A.J. Brown type size is awesome and can be beneficial. But you've seen guys like Zay Flowers, like Jordan Addison, like Tank Dell, like Josh Downs really make a difference for these teams. Now, are they going to be alpha number one receivers? I don't know. Maybe not. But they're going to be reliable contributors to an offense, assuming their coaches know how to use them. And so I think that'd be something interesting going forward, big picture lesson. But yeah, in the smaller, you know, this year lesson, it's exciting to watch Josh Downs do the things that you expect him to do or you expect that he could do, making some of these catches on the sideline, I mean, he, just the extra stuff. I mean, I kind of, I knew he was going to be a good route runner. I kind of knew he was going to cook a lot of, <laughs> a lot of nickels. He's smart. He obviously understands. I mean, just the, just the touchdown play, right. Or it was a broken, not a broken play, but a uh, jumped off sides work, took off downfield. Like it's four verts go. I mean, he is quick to respond, knows how to deal with opposing defenses already knows how to beat zones. Obviously he has no trouble with man coverage. And as you and I kind of talked about, there have been some games where they're starting to move him outside a little bit more try to take advantage of some of those matchups, try to take advantage of his skill set. It's exciting because if they bring back Michael Pittman, which I, you know, I think, I think anybody that follows the Colts thinks they should do. I I don't know that they, you're right. Yeah. I think it's man, maybe the weapons are starting to fall into place. They could still probably use a a really, really good tight end or another outside receiver. You know, Alec Pierce still got some time to grow. Not, not trying to throw him under the bus or anything, but they could use another weapon or two, but they're not far away with Taylor and Pittman and Downs that they're giving Richardson tools to work with, plus a coach like Steichen who knows how to scheme stuff up. It's really encouraging on Downs, but on the on the weaponry as a whole. I mean, the environment that you put these young quarterbacks in is so, so important. It's 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 nurture over nature to me in a lot of cases when it comes to when it comes to young quarterbacks. So what kind of environment environment are you providing them and can they succeed in it? And how easy do you make it for them to succeed? And right now I think the Colts have a much better environment than I expected him to have. I expected Sykin to be a good coach and put him in a good position, Anthony Richardson, but I didn't know about the weaponry and the offensive line obviously was a big question last year and everything has kind of come together. So credit to Ballard, obviously. And I think there's been some things he's not done so well with this team, but credit to Ballard. We're piecing this offense together and looking like a good kind of, I don't know, cradle to to have uh, Anthony Richardson grow up in. Absolutely. And the one thing I'll add about Josh Downs is he's just a big moment, big game player. It seems like because the catch he had in Germany, I was like, oh, my gosh, like that is that's the stuff that makes you special. And I say that because not only was the catch big, but just considering the other factors around it, he hadn't practiced all week. He was dealing with a knee injury. I believe he only played 14 snaps. But then he has one of the biggest plays of the game. And I get it. It didn't lead to points, but it did lead to precious, you know, seconds draining from that clock in a game where, you know, a few seconds here probably changes some things or changes how you, you know, call a play or something like that. So for him to have that moment, it was really cool. And then you see what it does, not only for the offense, but for the entire team. Like there's this crazy photo that Zaire Franklin reposted on his uh, Instagram where, you know, Josh Downs made the, the huge catch. He goes over to, you know, celebrate basically and jumps and you see Pittman all hyped. And then I believe uh, the Patriots might have called timeout or something. And he like goes and flexes in front of Zaire Franklin. Zaire's on the field like, yeah, like and I'm like, this is the type of stuff, 
you know, that, that makes you feel more like a team because you're so separate in football, right? Football is usually with the, you know, defense is usually with the defense, offense with the offense. But like in those moments, it's like I can recognize a dog at a different position, right? And so that's what it feels like they have with Josh Downs. And, and he was feeling himself after that one. He was like, man, yeah, yeah. You know, I felt like I was going to make a play. I did. And he's a fun interview, man. Like he's kind of unique in the sense of he, he's always going to talk to you. When he knows he's had a game, oh, it, it is, it is, it is money time with the quotes. And so he had a good time over there, obviously. Big, big play. And now the biggest thing is, and, and maybe we'll get some insight from this with Shane Sack, and I wouldn't bank on it until we actually see practice this week. But just can he get healthy? What did the bye week do for him health-wise? Because although it was good that he made a huge play for them, it's like 14 snaps for your rookie receiver who's been dealing with this nagging knee thing. Like, what's going on there? Will Juju Brents be healthy coming back out of the bye? Will he be available? You know, what's going on with Ryan Kelly? Not to say it was a good thing, but he did get a concussion right before a bye week. So does that help him, you know, recover? And I am kind of concerned, I will say, about Ryan Kelly. You know, this is his second concussion this season. The third, at least, of his career. The first one he had, he missed, uh, you know, multiple games with that. The second one he had, he missed multiple games. This one, you know, we'll see. But the point is, uh, you know, can this team just get healthier? And then will that help them, Jim, you know, with this second half? Because as you noted, some of these teams are their best players or some of their top guys have sustained really significant injuries. And so can they stay healthy enough and get healthy enough outside of Anthony Richardson, of course, to, you know, feel good and, and sort of make a push throughout these last seven weeks? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, they need Downs back. I mean, I think Minshew counts on him, man. I think Minshew really relies on him to find open spaces over the middle of the field. And all due respect to Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is a good NFL player for a lot of reasons. Um, he's just not that guy in the slot. He's just not. He's just it's not. It's great same. though. Isaiah had some big plays. I was like, man, like he set up the first touchdown score, and I was like, and only being the first, only it turned out to be the only touchdown in the game. So <laughs> I see what you're saying, though. It's definitely a true. Yeah, he, again, he's not a bad player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just he's not the same kind of weapon in the slot. And once you get the ball in his hands, if you get the ball in his hands with some space, then he is a problem, no doubt yeah, about it. I mean, fun. he is one. He is shifty. But I just, in terms of route running, feeling out zone, some of that stuff, he's not as much of a matchup problem for other teams. And Minshew really does seem to like working with Josh Downs. They seem to have a a, a good rapport. Actually, to your point about that, and I know. We have been, and rightfully so, really critical of Minshew. I thought that his feet, man, like you could just tell something was going on just mentally because, you know, in Germany, Jim, you saw him like he was kind of panicking before the pressure even came. 
And he just started like retreating, 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 and kind of, you know, and, and even some of the completions, he had one of Pittman where I'm like, you could have hit Pierce, you could have hit JT, like some of these throws, I was like, what's going on? It kind of had happy feet, but I do think that Josh Downs is the key to that because I'm not saying that, you know, Gardner Minshew has been all world in other games, but it, it does look night and day between how comfortable he looks when Josh Downs is in there and playing a full, you know, game as opposed to when he's not, which was the last two games before the bye. You know, the Panthers game, Josh Downs hardly played, only had one catch. You know, same thing sort of in, in, in or not in New England, but in Germany against New England, where Josh Downs just wasn't available at a full, you know, workload. And that affected him so much because you think about his strengths. It's not pushing it downfield. It's not play action. It's not, it's like, it's those quick crossing, you know, intermediate routes where Josh Downs thrives. And so, yes, Jim, you are 100% correct. Josh Downs, to me, he could be the key to them making the playoffs. Like, if he's going to be dinged up for the rest of the year, this offense cannot, you know, generate enough, you know, outside of having him there. You know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but you can tell the difference when Downs is on the field with Minshew Absolutely. Uh, versus, Absolutely. versus when he's not. So, yeah, let's get into the schedule. Was, we, we promised it. I tweeted out recently the kind of list of the quarterbacks. I know you've talked about a couple <laughs> places on TV yesterday about the, kind of the upcoming schedule. So we're going to play a stupid game, which is trying to predict what's going to happen in the NFL in the final seven weeks, which is always stupid because, I mean, you guys watch the NFL. You never know what's going to happen week to week. Good teams <laughs> lose to bad teams all the time. Bad teams surprise you. But I do want to kind of go through it because as we were talking before we started the show here, they're at five and five, seven games left. You think five and two, Get you to 10 wins, that probably guarantees you a playoff spot. I think 10 wins in the AFC right now probably guarantees you a playoff spot. I think you win four, finish nine and eight. I think you're in the mix. Depends on some tiebreakers, but you probably need some help. It doesn't feel as good. So my question to you is, let's go through these seven really quickly. And I'm going to, obviously, everyone's going to write these down as you make the picks and hold you to them for the rest of the year. Oh, Lord. Uh, no. <laughs> But I just kind of want to get your feel. Let's get your feel, right? It's, it's out of the bye week. You've, you've got a chance to kind of watch the NFL a little bit yesterday without having to focus on the Colts. Right, right. The toughest game left on the schedule was the Bengals uh, with Joe Burrow. That is no longer the case, obviously, with Jake Browning. Still good defense, still good players, but not quite the same type of game uh, going to Cincinnati to play Jake Browning with and the Bengals. Some other tough games. But I am curious, you know, as we talk about this, there's a lot of talk about playoffs. So they're going to do it. Can they get there? Right now, let's go through. I know... You know, Bucks game coming up at home. Thoughts on that? We'll just go through these real quick, and then we can kind of break them. And we can kind of break it down a little big picture. A loss against the Bucks, Baker Mayfield, and Mike Evans, who is my dark horse candidate for the Hall of Fame. Just putting yeah. that out there because it's happening. He's got like one All Pro selection in his career, but he also is like I think he's like twelve touchdowns away from a hundred in his career. And usually if you reach that threshold with like ten thousand receiving yards, you're a Hall of Fame player. And he's got the thousand yard streak going. I think that he might have a big game against them and they can put up points. And I just feel like, you know, maybe you're coming back from the bye. Are you a bit sluggish? Do things feel a little bit weird? That could be a loss. I think that I count that one as a loss. Go to five and six. The week after that, Will Levis, like you get him. The Titans are like free falling right now. Move back to six and six. Jake Browning. Oh, it's an interesting one. It's a tough one to call. Obviously we haven't seen a lot of them. It's so on the road, you do get Grover Stewart back. Oh, man. Just got to contain Jamar Chase and maybe T. Higgins if he's back. Probably will be back by then. I'm going to say a loss because the NFL is weird. 
Okay, it's in Cincinnati too, so it'll be it'll yeah. Be a tough I'm like, one. I'm gonna say a loss. Weird. And they're fighting for their playoff lives too over there. So exactly. Kenny Pickett. I think the I think the Colts get him. They get the Steelers in Atlanta. They have to beat Atlanta. Uh, I mean, okay. I'm gonna be there on <laughs> Christmas Eve, so don't ruin my holiday. I'm joking. <laughs> I I do think that they have a, a a chance to knock them off seriously because Atlanta. I think they've kind of struggled to even find out who their guy is. I know you have listed Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. And they've kind of gone back and forth between, you know, either one. And now the narrative is that, you know, oh, they always believed in Desmond Ritter. They just had to clean some <laughs> things up. And I'm like, no, when you bench guys, you do not believe in them. I don't know where we're like learning this or why we're recurgitating this information, but it's not true. I'm going to say they beat the Raiders, Aiden O'Connell. And then I'll just say this. And this is just for slang. They got to get their lick back. And by that, I mean, you know, growing up, get your lick back. You mean somebody hit you, you hit them back. Get your lick back. And And after last year, you, you know, you know, going in there, you know, beating the Raiders. I think that the Raiders are going to be like, we got to get our lick back. No, you don't let them. All right. You, you make sure you tell them whatever coach you got over there, whatever coach we have, it don't matter. You're not going to win. And so a win there and a loss to TJ Stroud. So that would be four and three, I believe. So you got them in the mix at nine, nine and eight, nine and eight with essentially playing Houston, I would guess for clinching a playoff spot and then and then maybe getting some help to slip in there obviously again it's not worth playing the game of where everyone else is going to be it's too many games to predict right but, right right but i i mean so let's go through that i mean if they finish four and three and they get to nine and eight say they don't even make the playoffs let's let's say they miss what's your grade on the season what's your grade on i think it's a it's more of a roster stiking grade just what would it mean to finish above 500 after what happened last year, first year of a regime didn't have, you went through this with the Steichen story, which again, I would encourage people to read, but they've overcome a lot. I don't think people realize quite how much it's all added up to be. You lost your two best corners to, you know, for different reasons. They, they, they didn't have, they've lost Grover Stewart for four weeks. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor for four weeks. They didn't have their starting quarterback who looks really good for most of the season at this point. They've overcome a lot. So to finish nine and eight or even 10 and seven to make the playoffs, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, how would you frame that? What, what, you know, <laughs> Gonna ask you that as a writer, right? Like we say, you can write that story at one point. So, how would you frame that? What does that mean to you? Or I need a thousand words to, you know, get through it all. <laughs> but I will say, like on a grading scale, like we're in school, I'd probably give them a B. I think a, I think a B would be solid. I mean, an A is. I don't think an A is necessarily attainable at this point, just because of all the things that have happened and the deficiencies with your team. There's no point where I do think that this offense is gonna be like great. It's better, obviously, with Josh Downs, but I think there's just some flaws there that you can't really fix unless you have the right player there, which would be in this case Anthony Richardson. But if you get to the you know nine and eight winning season after all the things we discussed, you know, uh, you know JT missing a month of the season with his whole you know situation, Anthony Richardson going down in week five, Grover Stewart missing six games because of PEDs, you know Juju Brents missing some time. Ryan Kelly, you know, with the concussion and in the offensive line as a whole, not having the completeness for more than one singular game. They've only had their full starting offensive line healthy for one game, which was a season opener. And since then, they've had to kind of put guys in and out. And so all those things, you know, not to even mention stuff that happened in the offseason without Isaiah Rogers being there. Um, you know, being suspended and cut for gambling. And then obviously Stefan Gilmore, really good player, helped them get, you know, to four wins last year with like three pass breakups, um, you know, game winning pass breakups. Basically, he's not there. So all those things considered, 
I give him a B. I think that that's a solid grade um, because you had to overcome so much to basically make it happen. And then I think an A would be probably making the playoffs, which I still think is a long shot just because of, you know, how things could could change and, and, and how weird the NFL is. And it's not to say that, you know, as, as winnable as these games are for the Colts, the teams on the other side had to feel in the same way. Right, where it's of like we're facing Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback. And although he's, you know, proven himself this season to be a pretty serviceable quarterback, and I know he's had his struggles, the turnovers and things like that. However, I think this is it's what you're going to see when you regress to the mean. Even with Josh Dobbs, like playing it the way he's been playing, I'm like, if he keeps playing, you'll start to see why he never really got that shot to be the guy, similar to Gardner Minshew. So that's where I'm at. I don't know where you're at, Jim, but I think. Four and three, they lose C.J. Stroud at home in season finale. Because also, I'll, I'll tack this on, I don't think the C.J. Stroud we saw you know, in week two is the same one we're going to see in week 18. And then also, I looked at, I kind of glossed over it because at the time it was all about Anthony Richardson and what he was going to be doing this season. But if I remember correctly, their entire offensive line was like depleted in week two where they didn't have a lot of their starters. There were A lot of them were like out. They had a bunch of backups. There was a lot of questions about, well, CJ tried even playing this game because of, you know, some of the, uh, the the issues they had up front with the offensive line and talking to some of my, you know, uh, you know, beat companions, you know, some of the Texans beat writers, they were saying, oh, yeah, we don't even know what's going to happen today. Will CJ Stroud be alive to tell the story because of his offensive line issues? So assuming their offensive line is healthier and obviously all the growth that CJ Stroud has throughout the season, I think that if you say, you know, and I think you're right about saying this, so far, Jim, you know, him being a ten, top 10 quarterback, if he is one, that's a game that a top 10 quarterback should probably win, especially if his team is trying to make that playoff push as well. I believe they're six and four now. So we'll see. They're currently in the six seed at six and four. Excuse me. The last team in the playoffs right now, as well, at six and four is Pittsburgh. The eight seed is uh, Buff- Buffalo at six and five. And then the Colts are at nine at five and five, right? In a winning a tiebreaker, which is not worth getting into over Denver. <laughs> at the moment, also five and five. And Cincinnati's also five and five. That kind of highlights, you know, just, just to kind of, you know, we mentioned three of those teams, Cincinnati, and even the Raiders are, I guess they're right there at five and six. So Raiders, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Houston. We mentioned seven games. Four of those teams are on the Colts schedule, right? So they, if they want to make the playoffs, they got to beat these other teams that are fighting and clawing and trying to get their themselves into the playoffs too. So it's not going to be any gimme games, really. I'm torn. I was kind of going through this exercise before you did. I, I have them at yeah. It's, I I don't think they lose more than three. I think I think four to five wins is very very doable. Um, and, and with the with the remaining schedule that they're at, which again is crazy because we were talking about them as a five to six win team ahead of the season, and now we're we're saying that nine or ten could be doable. Yeah, Pittsburgh's going to be a tough one. Pittsburgh's always a tough one. That defense is going to make life really tough for Gardner Minshew, as as you know as always. And pressure and Gardner Minshew don't mix particularly well. He's got to go back to protecting the ball a lot better. And and some of the stuff we saw earlier in the season from him, as opposed to what we've seen later, Josh Downs will be a big part of that. The developing of uh, the offensive line with, and the rapport with Jonathan Taylor, um, as they start to get, you know, a little bit more together, a cohesion, I guess we did hear Chris Ballard, I think on that podcast also mentioned that they want to get Zach Moss more involved. wasn't as involved in Germany as they, uh, as they had hoped. So you'll yeah, see. Yeah. I raised game. my eyebrows at that. I'm <laughs> like, hmm, okay. We'll see. Because I'm like, there was no definitive reason for Zach Moss to have one carry. Not saying that, you know, he should get more than JT. Obviously that's not the case, but I was just like, 
we'll see. Like, if we'll see what kind of trend this is because I mean, he wasn't hurt, and it, it wasn't like your passing game was fantastic. So that was a little bit odd to me that JT receives so much of the workload. But I'll let you continue. No, I mean, I, I, the only thing I want to get into before we got to go here is it's just kind of, and I don't even know if we have to get into it more than we have. It was just to kind of, I wanted to give you the stage to talk about the Steichen story. Um, yes, yes. Because I, I know you got some pushback on it, but to tee up here, I just kind of think it was a story you and I discussed in terms of, we're not saying he's the guy, obviously, the Mike McDaniels of the world, Kevin O'Connell's, Dan Campbell. Uh, I think there's Who? a lot of names in there. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. D'Amico Ryan's, frankly, right? I mean, D'Amico Ryan's is doing a heck of a job with Houston. I mean, they're in the playoffs. I, I, if Houston makes the playoffs, he might just win the coach of the year. So, and that would be totally reasonable. I just think, and the reason this is kind of how we started talking about it was, I think Steichen has done more with less. This is a, a team that was picking in the top five last year than a lot of coaches. Again, D'Amico Ryan's also a team picking in the top five last year. So let's be clear. He's done more with less. He doesn't, ha- and he hasn't had his quarterback. And we again, you went through all the things that he hasn't had this year, and yet he's got this team fighting for a playoff spot. And I think defensively, their pass rush has improved, but they don't have a ton of, you know, the secondary is a lot of question marks, and there's just a lot of things that this team has kind of had to overcome, both in terms of adversity, things going against them, and then just not having the roster talent of some of the other teams in the AFC. And yet, Steigen's got him right there. So I'll leave it to you, but I think that's kind of what we were talking about was. He's done a lot, and nobody's no one was really talking about him, and I kind of think he belongs in the conversation. Yeah, they had, they had a three game losing streak, and they're five and five. Like that's pretty impressive. Because to me, I will not lie to anyone out there. I was thinking to myself, are we going to watch this snowball? Because it's kind of what we went through last year, where you kind of notice, and I never noticed it with this team I, because they bounce back. But when you start to pile up the losses, that rope that you're holding on to your grip on it gets a little bit looser, a little bit looser. And then it, it like, there's just certain ways in which you let it go. And you're like, okay, that's it. The season's over in a sense. And I got that feeling last year in Dallas, when they gave up their 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Cowboys, they were in that game. And it was just like, boom, you know, the, the, the avalanche ensued. And then obviously the collapse in Minnesota, but this team this year, you know, Quiddy pays like we're, we're fighting for, you know, something we're fighting for each other. And, it's not a slight on your last year's team, their mindset. They obviously want to win, but I do think there's something to be said about the hope and sort of like that togetherness that they've kind of been instilled with or or, or had instilled in them from um, Shane Steichen. And again, is in regard to me writing about his coaching of the year, uh, coach of the year campaign or or his case, it was just funny, Jim, because they're like, man, it's such a homer take. And I'm like, I'm not even from here, which is so funny. I'm like, I'm not from Indianapolis, but I will say this. I think that a lot of the argument kind of got lost in people wanting to give the award to someone just outright. I'm like, it's not really how it works. Cause even this, I'll say this. And it always bothers me when we have these discussions, does the coach of the year award mean that it should automatically go to whoever faced the most adversity? Like how about the Eagles? They're eight and one. If they finish with one loss in the regular season, why wouldn't Nick Sirianni be coach of the year? If the Chiefs, for all of their issues, and oh my God, the sky is falling, they lost their season opener to the Detroit Lions, what's going to happen with them? Are they going to be the same Chiefs if they finish the season You know, with two or three losses? Could Andy Reid be in the discussion? So, I mean, there's always going to be um, different arguments, but I do think, and I mean this, um, and I feel like I, I backed it up when we talked about it and went through the editing process, all those things there's a legitimate case to be made if they make the playoffs. And that's a big if, 
Um, but I think right now to say he's in the conversation is fair because of all the things he's gone through. And, you know, losing your starting quarterback is a big deal. And I know people are on Gardner Minshew and they're like, he's got to be better. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. I'm not to say he can't improve or there's things you can't, you know, point out to him or look at on film and say, hey, you got to be better here or there. But he is who he is. You know, he's five years in at this point. He's not going to be some different player, you know, just because we see where he could be better. I'm like, you, I'm sure he's seen that in himself, but he might not be physically able to go out there and do it, which is why he's a backup quarterback. And so there's going to be certain flaws you have with that, regardless of who you put in there. And again, I, I promise you, if Josh Dobbs keeps playing, that's going to be the same thing that happens in Minnesota because those things tend to happen. At some point, you regress to the mean, and you kind of figure out, okay, this is why you were never a franchise quarterback. And it's not a disrespectful thing. It's hard, man, to be the guy. But I do think with all the things that have happened, Shane Sykes is in that conversation. And if it makes anybody feel better, I'll ask him about it today, which I know I will not do that. <laughs> he would just <laughs> tell me, like, no, I'll be a waste of a question. I'll focus yeah. on that team. Yeah. yeah, you know, and things like that. But I will say, I do think he has a certain competitive nature to him. And it's not about the award. But I do think he takes a lot of pride in the fact that they've kind of been in every game. Even the losses, they've been in every game except for one this season, which is the loss at Jacksonville, which we know they have ghosts and demons and whatever else going on down there where they just can't ever beat them. Um, but every other game they've been in, which is all you can ask for, because one bounce this way, one turnover, it swings the game. And, and to the defense's credit, they continue to get takeaways. And I get it. I get it. You know, Bryce Young. Mac Jones, not great, you know, players. But again, we look at that schedule of quarterbacks they're going to face. Those are the ones you can probably force more turnovers against. And we've talked about this a lot, Jim. What's their record when they win turnover battle? Five and zero, right? Yeah, five, five and zero. They're undefeated, and so you know you can't expect that to happen every single game. But again, you give yourself a chance to win, and then by doing so, you give yourself a chance to make playoffs. And then by doing so, do my transitive property here. You give. Shane Sykin a chance to be considered for coach of the year. And regardless, I do think that this franchise feels like they hit the right coach. Like they hit it on the head with the right coach. And in the grand scheme of things, that's all you can ask for. Cause I'm sure there's plenty of great coaches all time who never won coach of the year and they don't care because they won, you know, meaningful games. And ideally you want to be in the thick of it to win a Super Bowl um, at some point. So I'm not Jim Irsay. I'm not going to say, you know, two Lombardies and all the, you know, uh, right now, but I do think that they they found their coach, they found their quarterback. You have to do sort of like a pause on their tandem going forward because of the injury to Anthony Richardson. But right now, you, you kind of want to see what this movie has to what, – what, what's the next chapter of this, of this movie? What's the next scene? And I'm excited for it. And I get it. You know, some Colts fans are like, well, I don't want them to lose a bunch of games and, you know, just draft a really good player. And you know, what about Marvin Harrison Jr.? That was that always a pipe. Sailed. Yeah, that was always a pipe <laughs> dream. They're too good for him right now. But I think that, you know, you go out there, you play as hard as you can, you let the chips fall where they may. And regardless, you're going to have, you know, a pretty good draft capital anyways. You know, it's a pretty deep class, I think, for wide receivers, which is tentatively where I would go with the number one pick um, next year for the Colts. We'll see how things change, senior bowl, who I evaluate, all those things. I've thought about too much. But there's talent out there, and I don't think that you should just be so – you know, I guess miserable where it's like, no, they have to lose so we can get these players. It's like, nah, just go out there and play. And if they're good enough to, you know, make a little noise, make the playoffs, I think culture wise, 
and I, and I kind of hate it because it's kind of a cliche, but I do think if you're able to get into the playoffs or be in the hunt or have a winning record, just mentally what that does for your team is something you can't quantify by saying, oh, we could have been three spots higher for this player because that's that's still a really big gamble to make. You, you do what you can in the moment, you build on it, and you try to see well, what can happen you know, down the line. Coach of the year is a cool award, but also kind of is a curse sometimes. So just so people remember that, Brian Dable was the coach of the year last year. The Giants aren't exactly having a great season this year. Uh, Matt Nagy was the coach of the year. He won it over, I think, Frank Reich that year in 2018. Matt Nagy is no longer the coach of the Bears and didn't have any good success, much success after that. Even Rabel won it in 2021. And I know they made the playoffs last year, uh, the Titans, but things aren't exactly going very well for them either. So don't overrate coach of the year. You just want really what you want is your coach to be in the conversation and then not win the award. Like and the then Madden that's like, curse. You want to be like, consider like, oh, I should have been on the cover. You want to be around it. You want to be able to be angry about it, but not actually win the, that's, that's the perfect mix right there. So, all right, before we let you guys go and thank you for joining us, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Yeah. So I got to ask James, what's your, I know you're the one with all the creative uh, food choices and things like that. So what's your, uh, what's your go-to Thanksgiving dish here? Got to ask. Go-to Thanksgiving dish. It probably would have to be ham. I'm a big, uh, Oh, really? oh you're anti-turkey. Um, I'm not anti-turkey, but I'm going to say this. If you got that dry turkey at your, you know, dinner table, don't invite me, okay? Don't invite me. I don't want to come <laughs> over and have to pretend that the food is good when it's not good and I'm about to choke to death. No, you know, there are certain ways you can make turkey. And to be honest, Jim, I didn't know how good turkey could be until I had good turkey that was actually juicy and not dry, didn't need all the gravy Flavored, on yeah, it, yeah. you know, and all those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my family, and I've been fortunate, my aunt has been – you know, a chef basically for my entire life. And so if I'm able to make it home this week, we always do Thanksgiving over at her place and enjoy, you know, time with my family, my cousins, my god kids. So if she's cooking, she can cook anything under the sun and it's going to taste amazing. And I'm going to get, you know, a bunch of plates of it and enjoy myself. So we'll see. But how about you, Jim? What's your go-to dish or dessert? Oh, I'm not a dessert guy. I mean, again, I'll eat dessert, but it's never going to be my favorite thing. I, yeah, We're similar most that, of the time, if there's a good enough like dinner spread, I'm filling up on the dinner and leaving the dessert for. I just won't have it. Like I said, yeah, I don't want to save space. That's 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 always been my game. <laughs> I'm not saving space for dessert. I'll have pie. Not my favorite thing. Cake, whatever. It's fine. Like like it. But if the mashed potatoes are right, if the stuffing is right, if the turkey and the ham are right, which I'm with you by the way, I'm a ham guy over turkey. I think if you polled Americans honestly and said like, do you really like turkey? I think like it would be like half and half. Most people are just like I, I, I tolerate turkey for Thanksgiving, as most of what I think there people say. So no, I'm simple. I'm I'm a simple guy. I like I said, I like my mashed potatoes. They go with everything. Again, if the tur- this is if the turkey is not great, just kind of eat the turkey with the mashed potatoes to kind of enhance the right, flavor right, a little right. bit. But mashed potatoes work for everything for me, so that's that's all I look forward to most of them. Again, it's a simple. I'm a simple man with simple tastes on, on this kind, <laughs> especially on Thanksgiving. You don't have to go crazy for me. I'll just take the mashed potatoes and I'll go home happy and I'll have lots of them. So. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I just want to make sure we hit that very important topic before we got to the end of this <laughs> podcast. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. We'll catch up with you next week. Huge game. I mean, I think the rest of them down the stretch are huge games for the Colts as they try to make the playoffs. So look for James's coverage and more from us on the Upper Quartile podcast next week.